The following program is brought to you by Podcast One Sportsnet. Don't forget to download our new Podcast One app. Welcome to RJ Bell's Dream Preview. Weekly winners from his Wise Guy Roundtable. Broadcasting from the pregame.com studios in Las Vegas. Here is RJ Bell. It's the final four edition with a jumbo Wise Guy Roundtable to my right. The better, Steve Fezzik. In front of me, the college basketball specialist handicapper, Brad Powers. And back by popular demand, Ken Thompson, those that listen during the college football season, Ken is an encyclopedia when it comes to college sports. We brought him in kind of like a ringer here for this very important Final Four dream preview. And guys, we're going to keep this really, really simple. It is going to be a handicapper's delight where we're just deep diving into two games, one topic at a time. There might be agreements. There might be disagreements, likely disagreements. Some say I'm disagreeable. And it's a situation where at the very end, everyone's come in with their ideas, but at the very end, everyone's going to give their number one pick for Saturday. All of the wise guys, it might be a total, it might be a side, it might be a prop, but you're going to be armed with that excellent and very best information after it's been peer-reviewed in a way, if you think about it. And guys, here's one more thing to think about. I look around this table. There's been a thousand plus hours of college basketball work done and distilled now for this hour and change of the dream preview. Meaning if you look at the amount of time Ken's put in, Brad's put in, Fez has put in just college basketball, just this season, it's easily over a thousand hours. And for me, yeah, probably four hours. So about a thousand and four hours <laughs> of college basketball information. And we all get to benefit from it. I'm looking forward to it. Let's do it. Showtime. First game, Loyola playing who they got. Oh, wait, it's Michigan. <laughs> See, I'm joking. See, I'm setting the bar low for me today. All right, Brad, you've done the heavy lifting for us in college this year. Give us your number one factor in the game. Number one factor for me is Loyola Chicago's relatively easy path to get here. Now, number one, I have upgraded Loyola Chicago more than any of the other remaining final four teams. Four points is what I've upgraded Loyola Chicago. Now let's go down the teams because we had a little bit of a <laughs> confrontation on this on straight out of Vegas, our Fox national radio show this weekend, because you said Michigan. Yeah. The third seed. Yeah. They made the final four, but you hadn't upgraded them a single half point for the entire run. And your response was, well, uh, uh, oh wait, it wasn't like that. Is that was close? The response was, "Oh well, the defense is what carried them." It's like who freaking cares? Or one of the final four teams. Now I'm guessing, upon reflection, as often happens, you've thought, "Wow, RJ was probably more right than I first thought." Absolutely, and we'll start with Michigan. <laughs> but believe it or not, only a half point upgrade for Michigan. And what I should have said, RJ. 
What? Wait a minute, a half a point? So, so you're just placating No, now. here's why. Because entering the tournament, and I didn't even realize this, I had Michigan number five in the country coming into the tournament. So I had Michigan higher than anybody else heading into the tournament. One of the big reasons why Fez and I, prior to the Big Ten Championship game, got Michigan at 40-1 to one to win the national championship. That's true. You guys on straight out of Vegas, and you mentioned it right here on the Dream Preview, when it was 40-1, to one, they had Michigan, Ken. I, I'm guessing on your radio show, Brad probably shared Michigan. I believe he did. I actually picked Michigan to go to the Final Four as and Villanova, so I got two out of the four. But we really don't have any way to know that's true. Uh, yeah, you do. You, I have all my shows are archived. <laughs> all my shows are archived. Just baby. tease it, baby. Just tease that, it. That, that's the whole thing. No, but I understand that because there are times that you can say that and you can just talk, but my shows are archived three months back, so you can go back to the last three months. Sports Radio. No, we've got we got no. Look again, trying to slip an extra plug in right <laughs> off the go. I figured I'd <laughs> slip that in there. <laughs> I usually don't edit the show, but let me see. It's at the four. Okay, now, so give us a rundown, though. So Michigan, a half a point now. What you're saying actually makes sense. If you've got Michigan higher than the average Vegas wise guy and they play up to your potential, if they're the fifth best team, well, it kind of makes sense. You know, obviously they're improving a little bit to make the final four. And it's not that simple, right? The four best teams don't make it. But the idea of only giving them a small upgrade when you probably had them, what, point, point and a half better than the average? Yep. So now, in a way, you've the average handicapper. That wasn't as prescient in this case, wasn't as um, accurate with Michigan's power rating. Maybe you've upgraded them two points. You've upgraded them a half a point. Yep. All right, the other teams. Uh, Villanova, two-point upgrade for the Wildcats. And then- Wow, that seems generous. Wow. A one seed. Now, let's go through. <laughs> let's actually go through the games here because this is, a, a, I think, an interesting exercise. We'll make it quick. So I actually tweet this out. And I think it's something that really tells you a lot. His Twitter handle is at RJ in Vegas, which is I took the money line on all four of the games for all four of the final four teams and said, okay, if you started with a hundred bucks, where did you, where, what do you have now? Okay. And it tells you how difficult their path was. Now, listen, you still got to win. Virginia was a mighty big favor in round one, but Let's go from the mo- the biggest payoff backwards. Loyola, hundred bucks. Let it ride, let it ride. Twenty five hundred dollars. Now we'll be talking about how that actually is much less than you would expect for an eleven seed. Kansas, a hundred won you about six hundred, a little bit less. Michigan, a hundred won you four forty. Now it didn't win you. It it won you three forty with your original hundred, right? And here it is, Villanova, 100, 203. So you literally got about even money, plus 103, the Villanova would be here. Wow. So it's a 50-50 proposition. And just to be clear, Villanova was minus 7,500 in round one, minus 900 against Bama, minus 260 against West Virginia, minus 330 against Texas Tech. Where is Let's save it for the Villanova game, but just in 20 seconds, where's a, a, a multiple point upgrade from those wins? Quite simple. I mean, they far exceeded expectations. Expectations being the Vegas line in all four games, RJ. Yeah, but if you're laying nine and you win by 18, I get it's better than winning by eight, but how much better? Here's where they've really improved, and we'll get more into it. Defense side of the ball. About a month ago, I said, hey, Villanova's defense, not as good as past additions, not even in the top 40. 
last like 10 games, RJ. Ooh. They've been playing so well on the defense side of the ball. Villanova's up to number 13 in the country as far as defensive efficiency. For the whole season? For the whole season. Wait a minute. So they weren't in the top 40? And then over the course of 10 games, well, I guess that's a third of the season or so, a little less, they got up all the way into the teens? Yep. All right. Well, Dave Esler, we didn't mention, we actually have tape comments from Esler. He actually is going to has a point, I'll tease it, that contradicts you here. All right. So it's going to be very interesting. All right. So let's go around the horn. We'll go to Ken first. RJ, I'm I'm a little bit different than everybody as far as, you know, as you know, it doesn't matter if it's college football or college basketball, but I'm a, a really an eye test guy, and I watch – college basketball is just a sport that I've been around the game since I'm a little kid, and that's, you know, I, I would say almost a half century now. And my great uncle back in Brooklyn coached a lot of ballplayers that played Division One basketball and a lot went on to the NBA. So I feel that I have, you know, that feeling that I can scout teams. And, and so when you get matchups, and I follow Missouri Valley, which is this is Loyola's first year in the Missouri Valley, and they dominated the Missouri Valley. They were head and shoulders above everybody. There was nobody even close to them. They lost a few games that they probably got complacent and because they went to venues that for the very first time because they were transitioning from the Horizon League. But this this story with Loyola Chicago, I'm just saying, to me, is an amazing story. And I agree with you. When you're an underdog, no matter if you get a buzzer beater against Miami, you pull one out in your second game against Tennessee, you, you barely beat Nevada. I mean, these are all close games, which is great because now they're playing Michigan. And if it's a close game, they'll probably have a little bit of an advantage at the end. But it's a phenomenal story to watch a team, first off, in this day and age, that actually has five guys moving without the freaking basketball. I am so sick of watching. I mean, even Duke in Kansas the other day, watching that game, you had four guys from Duke leaving that court at the end of the game that weren't even sweating. And it's, it's sad, but it's a day and age that we're in right now where college basketball has changed night and day to what it's been over the last several years. Uh, because of the way Steph Curry and Golden State run their offense, you're seeing it trickle down to the college deal to where the stat that we saw with North Carolina, Michigan State, there were four of the teams, Virginia and uh, an, another top 10 team that lost in their Arizona was the other one. And then those four teams and their loss that knocked them out of the tournament, they were 18.5% from behind the arc. And these teams had no business having to shoot that many threes when they're going up against lesser opponents. But that's the way the game of college basketball has changed. So I just wanted to get that in. I think Loyola is one of the greatest stories. And I think they're similar to a North Carolina State Jim Valvano team that if they do get there and you could have them, whether they're going up against Nova or Kansas, you can have them in that same upset role. And trust me, they are good enough to be in the, in the game, in the final game. I thought your point about the first year in a conference is a great one because one objectively going to those venues for the first time is a big disadvantage. Now, does it cut both ways though, where, well, teams have traveled to to their venue for the first time? It does, but you know what? Loyola Chicago has been down for a long time, even in the, they really haven't been, you know, a, a marquee program. This was a chance for them to go into the Missouri Valley. And even though Wichita State and a couple years prior, Creighton left the Missouri Valley, which weakened the conference tremendously, Loyola having to go to these venues like Northern Iowa and Evansville and Bradley, those are tough places. Those are tough venues to win at. But they found a way to get a lot of road victories. But no, this is a this is a unique story. And what Moser has done there has changed the face of this Loyola program. And, of course, Sister Jean on top of that, it's kind of like where people that have no clue about college basketball, they're getting behind this team. It's one of those stories that probably comes around once every 25 years. Faz, your thoughts? Loyola was massively underrated when the tournament started. The reason is when their two starting guards go, Custer 
and Ben Richardson. I love that name, Ben Richardson, because it reminds me of Ben Richards from The Running Man, Arnold, playing that role. But those two guys, when they start 24-1, and including a win at Miami, I'm sorry, a win at Florida. So a very quality win on the road. And I really think they would have cleaned up in the Missouri Valley home and road, but they had three games they lost. When Custer went out in the middle of the year, that made them undervalued. But I agree with Brad that what well, so hold on that made them undervalued to start the tournament. Okay, so what you're saying is three games. People just look at their record, look at those losses, don't dig enough to know Custard was out because they lost those games. If you're just looking on the surface, you don't realize how good this team is because they had a a real negative that that helped them lose those games. Exactly. So the committee made them an eleven. I think they should have more been like a seven going into the tournament. But now what's happened is they're not as undervalued anymore because they had this four-game winning streak. And as Brad mentioned, they had some very favorable things happen, not just that they got to play a seven and a nine in the third and fourth round. Yeah, but hold on a second. If you are plus 100 versus a six and you're plus 105 against a seven and plus 110 against a nine, it pretty much says Vegas seeded them in that seven, eight, nine range. And I think Vegas got it wrong. And I think that's why they won both those games, but they got to win. So you think they're even better than that? I think if you reset, if you were the committee and we reseeded this tournament and started with 64 teams again, where would Loyola be? Probably the best six. Okay. So entering the tournament, Vegas felt like they were about a seven or eight and they've been upgraded. Absolutely. So Brad, with your readjustment or your upgrade, of Loyola, where are they in your power ratings? Number 24. So right now, 24th best team. Yep. And Fez was talking about six seeds, so right in there. All right. Fez, your number one factor in the game. The key factor in this game is Michigan's elite defense, a defense that wasn't all that good to start the year, but has improved throughout the year and now currently is an elite defense. And I love it when there's a team that has changed its stripes throughout the course of a year in that if you look at their season-long stats, that defense looks pretty good. If you look at the recent stats over the last two months, that defense is phenomenal. Now, it's possible that that defense has gotten that much better with a new defensive assistant coach. That might be the reason. I'm not sure. But one thing is for sure, if you just look at Michigan's and when recent you say, play. And when you say new, it's like at the start of the season. And oftentimes, when you come in with a new scheme, in football, I think it's a little more complex and it takes longer. But... Even with basketball, as the team gets familiar with the scheme, especially if they gel around it, uh, they're going to play better later. And what we know is Michigan's played much, much better later defensively later in the season. And we know they had a new lead assistant on the defensive side. So I think it makes a ton of sense, but we don't even need to know exactly why it's happened. But boy, this defense is much better. Does anyone disagree with that, that Michigan's D in the second half of the year was much, much better? No question. And even in the tournament, better than expected. Let's go to the Michigan's last game against Florida State. The box score says, hey, they, they were great, allowed 50 points, but it was even better than that because Florida State got 18 of 20 free throws, made 18 of 20 free throws at the line. Michigan defended out of Florida State's all their sh- all their shots in the game, ninety percent of those shots were defended. An incredible number, one of the highest percentages in any game this entire season. And if you look at both wins against Michigan State, which neither one was in Ann Arbor, one was in East Lansing, one was on a neutral court, they dominated defensively in that game. Took Bridges out of the game, 
So Beeline and company, they had a great scheme defensively, and that's how they beat the Spartans in both those games. That's Ken Thompson. We're going right back to Ken, your number one factor in this game. By the way, taping on Tuesday afternoon here in Las Vegas, pregame.com offices, Michigan, a five and a half point favor. Total 129 and a half. Yeah, this is an intriguing game because Michigan struggles from the free throw line. At least three of their guys are under 60%. That could come into play. There's nobody under 68% for Loyola. If it's a close game, you may look that way and you may even see Loyola take a chance and foul some of these guys that are not good from the charity strike. But to me, the big guys, Wagner, I pronounce it Wagner because he comes over from Berlin. And this is a kid that actually watched Michigan when he was in Berlin and said, I'm going to play for that team one day. And ironically, here he is, and he's in the Final Four. He saw that Michigan team back in the day in the Final Four and something he wanted to do. And to see the whole thing come to fruition is is kind of neat. The whole story is kind of neat. But Michigan's such a deep team that it seems like different guys are stepping up. But then Loyola, there's seven guys that, again, to me, they remind me of the 69 Knicks as far as chemistry. They've got the best chemistry of any team in this entire tournament. That's why they're still around, because they're constantly moving without the ball, and you never know who's going to pick up, whether it's Ingram's uh, buzzer beater to beat Miami or whether it's Custer's little shot to beat Tennessee. Either way, I mean, this team just feels it, and Moser is going with it. He's a good, solid coach, and he's getting the best of it. This is a game that I, I can't wait to see, and we all look at you know the Kansas-Villanova because they're two marquee teams that perennially are year in, year in, year out, they're around there. Michigan's a good, solid program, but this Loyola team's good enough to beat them if they play their A game. And I'm I'm just intrigued to watch this whole game, RJ. And, and that's why, you know, you're asking me, you know, number one factor. I, well, I, I, let me jump in a go second. Ahead. <laughs> go ahead. because The 69 Knicks. 69 Knicks. Best- this reminds me <laughs> of my favorite line or one of my favorites in Entourage mm-hmm. is drama was talking and Ari Gold was there and drama goes, ah, that reminds me of my days as an extra on the set of Barfly. There you go. Which happened in like, (laughs) which got filmed, I think in the mid eighties, maybe early eighties. And and Ari looks and goes, how old are you? How do you remember the 69 Knicks? I'll tell you what, remember listening to Willis Reed hobbling on the court, sitting in the driveway with my dad, because back then the games were blacked out the home games. They were playing at Madison Square Garden, beat the Lakers in that game, 113 to 99. I will tell you this, though. Ken comes in. He's got a five-hour energy. Now, how how big would you say, I'm sure you know, how big mm-hmm. are your biceps? Uh, I, I don't like Hogan, not what big. was Hogan? 24 not, inch. No, 20. Not, not nearly. I mean, I don't really work on him anymore. Really? Biceps. I do, Where, where'd you stop? I do the, uh, no, I just do the perfect push-up. Uh, which, okay, that's those, it. Those things are awesome. <laughs> All right. So this guy, though, he remembers the 69 Knicks, but he's got these huge muscular arms. He's well worked out. He's in great shape. He comes in with a five hour energy drink. We're setting up the studio or shutting up the doors to make sure you have high quality sound. And I go, Hey, did anyone want a soda? Ken goes, give me one of those full sugar mountain dews. So are you going to drink the five hour energy right away then sip on the Mountain Dew it's almost a, like a beer and a chaser that's exactly what it is it's a chaser <laughs> I got the Mountain Dew chaser <laughs> well I've got a Mountain Dew too. I'm going to make sure we're high energy oh full sugar baby there you go next up we've got Mr. Dave Esler great contribute MVP outside of the state of Nevada I would say for the dream preview this college basketball season all joking aside great stuff here's his Number one thought on Michigan Loyola. The biggest factor for me in the Loyola Michigan game is how Michigan decides to play on offense 
they've got a huge size advantage with Wagner. Uh, and if they choose not to use it and get three point happy, uh, I think they're in for big trouble because they've, they've already proven that they can't shoot. FSU held them to four for 22. So for me, the biggest factor and also the biggest variable is how Bayline decides to play when Michigan has the ball. I think it's a great point. I think it's a great point, but Crutwig's a big boy. Crutwig, Wagner has not played against anybody the size of Crutwig for Loyola. This is, this is a big guy that looks like he should be on uh, on WWE. I mean, he looks like he's got some baby fat on him, but he's a big boy and has great footwork for a big guy. The difference between— now, do, you, do you believe—and I, I don't know enough to know, so I'm asking genuinely, do you believe Loyola can play uh, toe-to-toe inside the paint with Michigan? I, well, I don't think Wagner— He's talking about Wagner having an advantage against Loyola. I don't think he has an advantage because Krutwig has not shot one three-pointer. He stays down low on offense, and he also defensively is pretty darn good and has great footwork for a big guy, where Wagner, a bigger guy, is a guy that's used to playing face to the basket, likes to would rather come out top and shoot, so his height is not effective. And that would be the advantage. If I'm Michigan, I put Wagner maybe outside the paint, exactly. pull the big guy that's away exactly from the right. and then you take advantage of the other height advantages you have at other positions for Michigan. That makes a lot of sense, RJ. Back and not to go back to those Knicks, but they got Jerry. They <laughs> got Jerry, no. listen, but they got Jerry Lucas for that reason. Jerry Lucas shot from deep. He would. They, they used him. They would bring Will Chamberlain away from the basket. If Will didn't come out and cover Jerry, Jerry knocked down. They didn't have the three pointer back then, but he knocked down two or three twenty four footers, and then Will would start cheating away, and the Knicks would be able to get some more offensive boards. Now let's not worry about the exact X's and O's as in who's where, but do we believe Michigan, or do we agree with Ashler that Michigan, if they make a point to get it inside? has a better chance to win than if they don't. Absolutely. I agree with that. However it happens. Yep. Does anyone disagree? Okay. So I think it's a, a really good point. And in our, my discussions with Dave as we were taping, Esler, he made an interesting point. The way the game gets called is important because if the game's getting called tight down low, obviously Michigan has, in theory, even more advantages Agreed. Down low. Because they have Teske, who to come off the bench, has played extremely well in this tournament. And so Wagner was to get in foul trouble. And he did foul out in a, in a, in one of the games in the Big Ten tournament. Uh, both him and Abdul Rahman fouled out, and they were fortunate to win the game in overtime. And I looked at it then. I said, you know what? If they get lucky and win this game in overtime without Wagner and Abdul Rahman, they're going to win this Big Ten tournament. And they did go on to win the next two, two games. So four wins in four days. And they took out Michigan State and ended up getting that... Uh, getting that win in the Big Ten tournament. I just had a vision of like an MTV-type star who is has a vaguely Middle Eastern look about him, but he's kind of metrosexual and he's Abdul Rockman. That, <laughs> that guy would be Muhammad a big, Ali Abdul Rockman, and his dad yeah, see, also that, played in the NBA. That's distracting, yeah, though. Yeah, it is. I, I, <laughs> I agree with Dave, though. You don't want Rockman and Wagner and all these guys <laughs> – Chucking from a lot three. of musical references. Here. Yes, chucking from three, especially because the game is in the Alamo Dome, a football, not a basketball stadium. Michigan's already shown they can go cold from three. They could really go cold if they had a bad shooting night in this venue. The comment about foul shooting. We talked about this on Straight Out of Vegas. When the line is in this minus three to minus eight, eight and a half range, that favorite. The odds of their foul shooting, in this case Michigan, being a huge factor in the cover, goes way up. Is that something that that is a strong deterrent 
away from betting Michigan. So let's think about it. Okay, Michigan's up four, eight seconds left. Boom. You know, hey, maybe certain teams wouldn't foul in that situation. <laughs> we'll talk a little bit about that. But boom, a, a foul goes up, makes one a two. Instead of two a two, Loyola goes down, misses a three. Okay, rebound, dribble out. All of a sudden, that. Now, obviously, it's easy to say, well, any foul shot could matter. But when the line is right there in the, in the foul shooting zone, that favorite's ability to shoot foul shots effectively is is even more significant. Absolutely, and it is a, probably the most negative factor of why I don't want to bet Michigan in this game. Not saying I'm not going to bet against them, but the number one factor is their foul shooting. Let's break it down. Out of 351 teams in the country, foul shooting as a team, Michigan's number 321, 66%. I saw a lot of people saying, oh, Michigan's terrible because maybe one of the first games they saw Michigan play was that Elite Eight game. Boy, Michigan can't hit foul shots. No wonder they can't cover. Well, Michigan just played like they have been all year. 16 out of 24 from the line against Florida State. That's just a season average for the Wolverines, 66%. Oh, go ahead. Fred. What's really concerning is the end game. They got a 53% free throw shooter out there that handles the ball. If you have to have that, Wow, you're nervous if you've got Michigan in your pocket minus five and he gets fouled. So one thing I'm seeing is this, is if you're debating Loyola on the money line or not, if you like Loyola, it feels like to me this is one where it's spread for sure because you lose a lot of the advantages of playing against a poor foul shooting team if you're just going for the win. Obviously, foul shooting always matters, but it matters extra in the spread zone. So would you guys agree... If and, and again, we're going to get to who you're playing and all uh, your one best play for Saturday. But if someone came up to you guys and said, I'm betting Loyola for sure, I just got to decide money line or spread, would you guys agree it's spread for sure? I agree with that. Yeah, spread. I agree. Yeah, because you're losing a big, uh, at least you're minimizing Michigan's one of their big disadvantages or one of their big problems by not taking those points because that, that's when the problem can really rear its head. And, and not only that, RJ, but also this is a very public game. And what, what's the public going to do? They're going to want to bet Loyola and this story to keep going. They're going to probably suppress that money line odds on Loyola Chicago because a lot of people are going to be betting them on the money line. Mm, that's a good point, too. So kind of the Super Bowl phenomenon. Yes. Pregame.com. Pregame.com. I love that. And I'm RJ Bell, joined by Steve Fezzik, Brad Powers, and Ken Thompson. Now, Sister Jean, <laughs> you know, I was on local radio with a guy named Adam Hill. Nice guy. He's Steve Cofield's co-host. I don't know if nice guy, smart guy. And Speaking of Michigan fans. He's a righteous guy for sure. Um, he was talking about how much he hates Sister Jean. I'm like, you know something? I can see being, you know, surly. He's a sports writer for the Review Journal, but he's only in his, I think, late 30s. Who doesn't like <laughs> Sister Jean? So the question is, Brad touched on it, does the phenomenon around Sister Jean affect the betting on this game? Brad's hypothesis is, hey, it's going to cause more money line betting. Do you guys agree with that? I agree. I, I mean, I'm saying there's people that are going to put in their $10 bets all over Nevada on Sister Jean, there's going to be people that don't even follow basketball because they know the story and they think it's great and they want to see it keep on going. But the people, the, maybe locals who know the story that don't typically bet might, you know, go to the buffet. That's what I'm saying. I'm saying yeah. there's going to be, you know, there's going to be money bet. Uh, again, not substantial money from wise guys or, or sharp money. I don't think Sister Jean has nothing to do with that. No, no, for sure. Faz, you seem 
skeptical. I think the factor would be more significant if it was a if they're in the title game. I can see them betting Sister Jean to win the national title. But in the semi, I don't think it's as big a factor. Now, here's the question. I haven't been a big fan of these, but I read the book sometimes, and there are noteworthy elements. The whole visualization uh, one I didn't read, I think it was called, was it the, the gift or like the, I, I can't remember, but the idea of you think it, it increases the chance it's going to happen. The secret. The secret. Is that it? Did you yeah. read that Fez? I'm just familiar with it. Did you? Uh, I read it. I read it. <laughs> you read the secret. Yeah, I read the secret. When was that? What was that scenario? Uh, I think it was like 15 years ago. I was dating a girl that was into that stuff. So I just read it to read it. Wow. So you uh, really were like, what was this before or after the first time you consummated the relationship uh this was after i, wow. I was i was in love you were just trying time, to string yeah. it out man yeah i like, work that, out I like that girl a lot is that the is that the last time you were in love uh yeah i think it was wow. <laughs> we won't go into depth here <laughs> so it's never been the same no nah, it hasn't so every other girl that you've hurt you can point yeah, to her you know, and say yeah. blame her yeah i guess she could find out i found out the secret there was Did no you? more secret ah. All right. So anyway, if you're on Loyola, don't you start and it's a religious school. And I'm not. Now, it strikes me if you're a college basketball player, even if you're not super re- religious, you probably are a little more open to the idea of it. If you're willing to go to a school like this. Right. So you would think these kids, maybe you, you know, I'm not sure how religious they are, but boy, if there's a sense of like, you know, maybe, you know, maybe the Lord above is intervening. For Sister Jean, and you know she's lived such a great. And listen, the Catholic Church obviously believes in miracles. The way that you can become a saint is through having performed a miracle. It, the idea of like maybe she's you know a borderline saint, and and this is going to be the miracle. Wouldn't that be hilarious? As the Vatican, like in sixty years, would say, okay, we're gonna uh, put up Sister Jean as a. As a saint, it's like, well, what was the miracle? Well, I only won the 2018, 17. <laughs> I mean, that, that, that would be interesting. But do you think the idea that we could do this, maybe there's a higher power, frees them up? Because you would think they seem to have played better as the tournament's gone on. I mean, what was their best game? The last game in the lead eight when they dominate Kansas State pretty much from start to finish. Yep. It yep. feels like this team's gaining momentum. Yeah, they won the first three games by four points. And you were worried, Fez, about the idea of, oh, maybe they're celebrating. Maybe there's an aftermath. It feels like it's like they're just getting more and more sure of themselves. And this may come back to the fact that it's a religious school, Catholic school. If Arizona State made the Sweet 16, there'd be burning furniture. They come back to frat parties all night long. No, I'm not saying they're not. You're saying it's a more disciplined team. Exactly. And and they might feel like, you know, they're on a mission from God, as they said in the Blues Brothers. <laughs> I don't know. It just, I, I do believe in that, you know, in, in that, if you don't, I don't know if the confidence helps. I think the absence of doubt helps, which in a way, if you're confident, there is an absence of doubt, right? But that's the key is. As you step, and I know as I, I've probably told this story once or twice, so I'll make it quick and broad. Every time I've been lucky enough to go up a level, if it's okay, I did some radio, but now I'm doing a national spot. Okay, I've done national, but now I'm doing Colin Coward. Okay, I've done Colin Coward, but now I'm on Sports Center. That first time or two is the hardest. 
because you just don't know like what's going to be different. Am I up for this? Once you do it a few times, then it's like, okay, I can do it. I've proved it. It feels like this team has an absence, Loyola, of doubt. Yeah, I agree with that. And I think what's helped is Loyola, unlike a Nevada, hasn't been down big in really any of these games. They've been in it from start to finish. The question I would be is what happens, maybe there is that for the first time doubt, if they get down double digits. Because that could be the opposite, is and hey, we're on a mission from God. And I like the fact that Nevada punked them early in the first half and they got down by about 10 points and they came rallying back. That was like in in a hurry. But that was five minutes. Yeah, it was 20 20 to eight out of the gate. But also, Michigan, they've really, out of their four games, they've only played one good game. And that was against Texas A&M. Their other three games, they did not play well against Montana in the opening game. Uh, They struggled against Florida State and they were very fortunate to beat Houston on the pool 40 footer. Brad, you were talking about you think the Michigan's D has been the driver in the tournament, and the offense has actually disappointed you. The offensive problems, are they something that feels like they could be corrected, or are they something that feels systemic to, like, this is just a trouble, this is just a very limited offense? No, I think they can be corrected. How how would you characterize the problems? Well, uh, I mean, a lot of it is they've been more relying on the outside shot, which obviously there's higher variance with a three-point than it is to go down deep, and we already said... They had the size advantage down low. They would be well-equipped to, to use that advantage and go down low for the higher percentage shot. But here's where the three out of the four games where they had bad performances were kind of, you know, a, a big-time rest spot against Montana. Okay, they're rusty. They haven't played for two weeks. But the one spot where they could have corrected it was that Sweet 16 game where they had extra practice time after the second round, and John Beeline, an elite coach, I thought for all intents and purposes corrected it, and they had their best shooting persor- per- percentage of the tournament by far. No, they were very fortunate. I mean, RJ, literally, they stole the game against Houston. I mean, the guy that misses the two free throws that gives them a chance for that three-pointer to be the game winner, the guy was nine of nine, and he misses two free. If he makes one of them, the game's over. Wow. Wow. So I didn't know that it was that. So yeah, he was nine of nine. He goes to the line two. for two, misses them both. I'm guessing like 75% and the three-pointer of the season, right? Yeah. Wow. It's, 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 it's amazing. Let's talk about, do you have something fast? Oh, yeah, he's 67% Davis was for the season, so approximately 94% Houston wins that game in that situation. 0.33 times 0.33 is the chance of him missing both. One ninth. Yeah. Okay, and then then they got to make the three. Yep. Okay, wow. And it's not just a three, it's a miracle three. Yeah, there's only four seconds left in the game. Okay, so let's talk about Beeline as a coach. Now, you've been singing his praises, Brad, I want to get your thoughts, where he ranks in the country in postseason, and then we'll get Ken's thoughts on the same. I think John Beeline's the best coach to not win a national championship in the entire country. And just look against the spread, his record in the NCAA tournament, doesn't matter if he's at Michigan or West Virginia, better than any coach of a, a large sample size, a minimum of 20 games. John Beeline, 23-11 and 11 against the spread in the NCAA tournament, but doesn't get the same respect as a Rick Pitino got in the past, or a Tom Izzo, or a Coach K, or a Roy Williams. He's not looked at, at least in the marketplace, as a top-five coach. I think he is. You also mentioned in an earlier show that his conference tournament record's mighty good, too, right? Do I remember that correctly? Yeah, all, all postseason action, whether it's conference tournaments, NIT, whatnot, he's hitting, it's, I think now with the update, he's 60-32 and 32 against the spread. All postseason action. Where can you, I know you're a coach's guy on your radio show. You often have coaches on. You follow these programs very closely. Where do you put Beeline? Best in the Big Ten, first off. I have him better than Izzo. 
I said that at the beginning of the tournament. I wow. said Michigan will go further than Michigan State. People look at Michigan State and Izzo. Izzo, to me, over the last several years, his teams have really fallen off. They can't even get out of the first round. They can't beat teams like Middle Tennessee. You look at Beeline, especially when you give him time to prepare, it's almost impossible to beat. But also, to get a team ready to win a Big Ten tournament two years in a row when you have to play minimum four games, that's impressive back-to-back years. Coffee's for closes only. There we go. Finishing the season strong. All right, let's go around the horn. This is the last topic from each of you guys on this game. So take a second, look through your notes. In fact, let me do, we've got a new commercial sponsor for this show. We're happy about that. Why don't we do a quick break and then we're going to get you guys, this is like a radio tease, we'll get you guys' number one thoughts on this game. Okay, we're happy. We're in the club now. It's the Dollar Shave Club, part of Podcast One and sponsoring the Dream Preview. We're very, very happy about this. DollarShaveClub.com. They deliver everything you need to look, feel, and smell. Smell your best. Brad, when you had the girl that broke your heart, were you shaving? Were you, like, keeping your hygiene up? Yeah. Because sometimes guys, you know, they start... You know, they get in, let's say, and then it's like, ah, it's just not as important. No, I was. Did, I you, was, put, did you put any weight on? No, I was skin and bones, about 150 pounds at that time. Maybe. Oh, were you not lifting? No, I was in the best shape of my life. Best shape of his life? <laughs> <laughs> he was never the same. She should have caught me in my prime. Well, listen, here's what I'm going to tell you guys. Most of you bet sports. That's why you're listening. Though we do have a big contingent that don't. And I love that because I want to appeal. I want pregame appeal to the non-sports fan. But here's what I know. Intrinsically, most winning sports batters are contrarian. Ken, you're contrarian, right? Not even. Oh, yeah. <laughs> he won't even agree that he's contrarian. <laughs> exactly. No, but but I am. There for sure. You've got, I'll be honest with you, it is like they should bring the psychiatrists into Vegas for these, especially the handicappers that are public, because usually they're always frustrated that some guy named RJ's getting all the media attention and they're all peed off and they're not making as much money as they wish they could make. Fez, let you worked in the business world for how long? Like the straight business 15 world. 15 years. Yes, but do you not also hold a day job, paying job, a, a square job? <laughs> so 15 years with a square job. 1986 to 2001. And you've met a lot of people. You're an actuary, right? I am. Okay. Well, you're not an active actuary today. I am not active anymore. And frankly, my math skills are declining. No, that wasn't the question. I'm doing the commercial here. Is my, just answer the questions. <laughs> now, in your 15 years in corporate America, compared to your time in Vegas now, which is what, over, over what, uh, 18? You're moving past almost 20 years, right? 17 years. 17 is wouldn't you say the amount of personality personality disorders you meet amongst sports bettors is much, much higher than corporate America? Much, much higher, but not that much higher than some actuaries. <laughs> but in general, well, yeah, I think it's part of the same thing, right? To be analytical enough where pretty much every day you're saying, I'm going to disagree with the world. Because when you make a bet, you're pretty much disagreeing with the world because the wisdom of crowd says this should be the line. You're a contrarian. Well, here's what I know about contrarians. They tend not to do that 
the typical things, all right? And one of them is shaving. And I know a lot of people, see, it got brought right around. You notice that? I know a lot of people who, quite frankly, just won't shave. In fact, right now, I haven't shaved for about a week. Now, when you're the boss, you can pull it off, all right? But the, the, the further I get along down the road, the more I realize People make those judgments. Ken, you're always clean shaven. Well, you know, I went, uh, you know, my daughter's 17 and a half right now, but I went the first 13 years of her life. She saw me with the Fu Manchu and the goatee. But still, you were nice and clean. There's right. nothing wrong with the little facial hair. It's just when you got the look I've got, like the the dude at the track that's trying to like, you know, he's looking at the tickets. The all night poker <laughs> player. Find, yeah, trying to find a winner. So... I've made a resolution. I'm going to start shaving more. And, but the reality is in life, and this is objectively true. If you're contrarian and you put it out there by being sloppy, it's something that hurts you and it hurts people's perception. It might be a girlfriend that breaks your heart in the past. It might be a job you don't get. It might be getting not getting a seat at a restaurant, whatever it is. People make these, these blinking visceral judgments and so why aren't we clean shaven as contrarians? Usually it's all oh, F society to some degree, but it's also, we think we got better things to do. And to me, that's the beauty of something like dollar shave club is it's a subscription. It gets delivered to your door. Cause let's be candid when that razor is getting down to the very end where it's, Oh, it feels like it's scraping. Now you're disinclined to shave. Then on the other hand, it's like, I don't want to go drive to the, store to get, you know, and then you forget to tell the wife if, or your partner, whatever's going on. Or if you're alone, it's harder even still, cause you got all these other problems. No, just open up the mail. You get that little box and there it is. And then you shave and you find that girl and you, and you get married. I mean, it's a, you get the job, you get married. I mean, this is like a very, <laughs> there's a lot of upside here. So <laughs> the call to action for a mind-blowing experience, join Dollar Shave Club today. And for just $5, with free shipping, you'll get the six-blade executive razor, plus trial sizes on shave butter, body cleanser, and one-wipe Charlies. I'm going to have to do some research on one-wipe Charlies. Then keep the blades coming for a few bucks more a month. That's it. Get yours at dollarshaveclub.com slash dream. And that's the special. Now, this is a special. You can't get this any other way. That's dollarshaveclub.com slash backslash, however you want to say that, dream, D-R-E-A-M. Okay, Brad, give us your last factor, Michigan Loyola. So the other worry that I have for Lila Chicago, entering the NCAA tournament out of 68 teams, Lila Chicago ranked 68th out of offensive rebounding percentage, the lowest out of any team in the NCAA tournament. Hasn't come into play a factor in their four games so far. Why? Lila Chicago has shot better than 50% from the field overall in their four tournament games. My worry is... Played in a big arena, like Fez said, a football stadium instead of a, a basketball arena. Maybe that shooting percentage goes down, and po- quite possibly it goes down because this is the best defense Lyle Chicago has faced by far in the tournament in Michigan's top five defense. If that shooting percentage isn't at 50%, and now you're not grabbing those offensive boards like your full season stats say, 
I think that's a major disadvantage for Loyola. So 1996 handicapping 101, Mark Lawrence type stuff is okay. The big arenas have the bad shooting backdrops, the sight lines, the depth perception. That was all fresh and stuff back then. Do we still believe that is because I've heard theories that, hey, these kids have grown up playing AAU and and it's just the the uh, feeder system to get to the final four at this point is just so different that maybe that's a little outdated. We'll go around the horn. Fez, where are you at with how pertinent Brad's point is? We still believe that it's difficult. We, it's the collective we, all the wise guys. The betting markets (laughs) believe that these cavernous arenas still depress scoring. But like you said, RJ, it's not as big a factor as it was back in 1998. And, oh, go ahead, Brett. I I was going to say, it could be a factor for Lila Chicago. Is Lila Chicago's players growing up in AAU? It was certainly a factor in the Missouri Valley Conference tournament when their average total scores, I think, were like 112 per game when they're playing in that huge arena for Arch Madness. Yeah, that's an interesting point. Maybe this team's more susceptible. What do you think, Ken? Well, here's the thing with Loyola Chicago. What they do is they go to the they go to the basket better than any team that's left in this tournament. They don't settle for the three pointer unless it's there. If it's an open look, they'll take it. They're going to work the ball, and again, you're going to see five guys move, four of them without the ball. Something that you don't see from anybody else in this tournament. You may see a team occasionally have three guys move, but very rarely will you see a team where everybody's moving without the ball. That's why this team's still alive, because it's a throwback type coaching job by Moser, and this team does what nobody else does. So they don't settle for the three-pointer. They'll go, and in a cavernous arena, they'll get up-close baskets first, and then when the three-pointers open themselves up and present wide-open opportunities, that's when they'll look to knock them down. I should know this. Amongst the top seven starters on Loyola, how many are black? Two. Two, yeah. Two. It's only the two. So do you guys worry? I mean, that's what's funny. Do you guys worry that – I wonder, do we we think – and listen, we're not a political show, and obviously we don't – wouldn't put up with any, you know, like racism and – I mean like real racism, but I do think examining the reality of the marketplace is important – do you think there's a big chunk of middle America that looks at this team and thinks I can relate to this team? I could envision myself playing basketball like Loyola, but I can't envision playing basketball like Michigan or, you know, some other high flying team. And because of that, you know, and I've heard a lot of references to Hickory high, you know, this idea of, you know, Hoosiers and this old school way of playing. Now, Ken, I know you very well. You're, you are, you know, from what I can see from many, many years, colorblind. So I don't think this is you, but do you think there's a lot of middle America saying, I'm going to support this team. I'm going to root. I'm going to bet on this team because I feel more affinity to them because they play basketball in a way I can relate to. Yeah. But then Michigan also, when you have Wagner and you have Duncan Robinson and you have Teske off the bench, they have white players as yeah, well. But, but they're not so they're, playing, but, they're, but, but this correct. Michigan team is not compare. You can't compare them to like a Chris Webber fab five, Michigan. They're yeah. not like that. A, this team has but got you, a nice but you've mix. Been, but you've been ranting about old school basketball. Mm-hmm. Like every chance, it's almost like, Hey, RJ's going to ask me a question. He's going to, I'm going to answer it quickly. Then I'm going to start talking about old school basketball again. So obviously it's ignited something in, in your spirit. Yeah, it has. Right? Because but Michigan's guy, yeah. team hasn't done that. Well, they no, they haven't uh, to that point, yeah. to the point of Loyola, but more so than a lot of the other teams in the tournament. Michigan is a very 
team-oriented team. Uh, again, they, they play team-oriented basketball. They don't just settle for one-on-one isolation basketball that we see with so many of the teams, and that's why a lot of those teams are out. So, Fez, I saw your face look a little like um, Buffetto, like you weren't sure if there was validity to my point. I, I think this, the reoccurring theme throughout this has been the psychology of the, the all the upsets and, 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 and the perception of, oh, is this a team of destiny, right? So if you're religious, maybe you believe Loyola. Or if you like, you know, however we want to characterize, you wish things way, you know, the way they used to be. I wish people play basketball like Larry Bird. And I'll be honest, I have some of those feelings because I can't dunk, right? So I relate to the pick, you know, picks and, you know, good, you know, putting your cup in your balls when you set a screen and all that stuff, right? Does that affect the market here in a way that makes Loyola expensive? It might. It could well be. <laughs> I'm not. I'm not sure, RJ. But the reason I was had well, this- what I seem to be pretty adamant about it. What makes you scared? What makes you just not agree totally? I think I do agree slightly. What may be short circuited me is that we've kind of gone full circle with Loyola. Back in 1963, this was the team that like helped break the color barriers. This was the team that had four black starters in a championship. Yeah, but remember team. now, no one, no one's saying, and and again, obviously, we're not getting into politics here. No one's saying their team makeup is any sign of racism, but rather, hey, this is the team that they've got. But but the fan base, 95 plus percent of them are engaging with Loyola for the first time. This team throughout this tournament, right? I mean, what percentage of the people that's going to watch this Saturday game saw this team play any games prior to the tournament? Less, Probably 5% or less, right? Yep. Yeah, definitely less than 5%. So I'm saying, okay, this team is what it is. They play basketball a certain way. They're majority white. I think it probably makes that team more popular with the batters. I agree. Just like Curry is very popular because we all could yes. be Curry we can't be I agree with Wagner. That. We can't be 6'11". I agree with that. Okay, interesting stuff. Fez, your last point on the game. Last point, and I think you and Brad laid out how easily, what a nice draw Loyola got for an 11 seed to get to play a 6, a 7, and a 9. But my last point is not only did they get to play a 7 and 9, they got to play a 6, 7, and 9 all without key injured players. Most recently, when they beat Kansas State, Kansas State's best player, their leading scorer and rebounder, Dean Wade, did not play one minute in that game. This concerns me about Loyola. Okay, and then there you got six, seven, nine, and 14. That's who Michigan played. Yeah, but I mean, to Fez's point, expound it. Lindsey Drew, point guard out for Nevada. Obviously, that was significant for Nevada, at least at the end of regular season. Nevada wasn't playing that well. Kyle Alexander was out for uh, Tennessee, a big forward. Bruce Brown. Or, uh, for Miami was out, one of their leading guards. I mean, again, it goes into the fact that Lila Chicago played a very advantageous draw and the fact that they also didn't play a very experienced teams. Out of 20 starters, only three senior starters is what Lila Chicago's faced so far. Now they're going to face the most experienced team they've seen all year in Michigan. Two senior starters, two junior starters, a very experienced Michigan team they're facing now. I think Brad's point here is a great one. If experience, fundamentals, Loyola's approach, it's going to be, it's going to have its advantages. But if it were ultimately and always the advantageous way to play, everyone would play that way. So it's usually, can you get the diaper dandies? Can you get the top 10 type players or not? And history tells us top 10 players win titles. 
But you look at a Michigan, they got any top 10 players in the country? No. They've got the second tier elite guys. Now, again, these are great. They could be NBA guys eventually. You know, Wagner's an NBA guy. All right. Yeah. So, but if you got those B young guys versus, and, and is how young would we characterize Michigan? Oh, I think they're one of the more experienced. I top yeah, twenty-five. So, so teams what you're saying country. is this is sort of the change, which is up till now the teams Loyola's beaten have been B or C level talent, but also inexperienced. So yep. it's the worst of both worlds. Now you've got an upgrade of talent, an upgrade of experience with Michigan, and that's the the experience advantage Loyola has isn't as big of a relative advantage and thus problems, it would seem potentially, or at least it's removing that big advantage. Yep. And I'm not so worried. Ken brings up an excellent point. Michigan, they've had a very favorable draw in this tournament as well, but because in the big 10 tournament that they got to play Purdue and Michigan state in back-to-back games, I'm a little less concerned because they have that experience. Okay. Ken last thought on the game. Uh, it's just one that I want to see. I mean, it's a very interesting matchup. No, I mean, it, there are there are certain games that you're just intrigued with the matchup. And again, as much as I'm I'm dying to see Villanova and Kansas, this game intrigues me big time because Loyola is better than people think. Not only have they shot over 50% in the tournament, but they were 51% for the entire season. So this is a team that's not just doing it in the tournament. They've done it all year. They were the class of the Missouri Valley, if they weren't, if it wasn't their first year in some of those venues and maybe without Custer in a couple of those games, they probably would have run the table like Wichita State did so many times or the great Creighton teams did in the Missouri Valley. So, you know, again, it's just a game I want to see. I really like what Moser's done there to where he has his team moving without the ball. And I'm intrigued with Beeline, the way this team's playing. But the one thing, the one final factor is if Loyola Chicago loses, no big deal. They're supposed to lose. They made the Final Four. What an incredible story. If Michigan loses, as great a year as it's been, and winning the Big Ten tournament and getting to the Final Four is key, but to lose to a team that you're a five-and-a-half-point favorite when you can get to the championship game, there's more of a disappointment feeling in Ann Arbor. Instead of being all happy about making the Final Four, you're bummed because you're losing a game that you're supposed to win. And thus, is that extra motivation? Is that pressure? I think it. I think it is. Is that, uh, a, pro, I think, is that a pro or con for Michigan? I think it's a pro. I think it's something where Michigan looks at it and they're looking at it as business. Look, we're not happy to be in the Final Four. Loyola, on the other hand, with the sister Jean and all these interviews and uh, and this great story. No matter what happens, it's a great story just to get to the Final Four for Michigan. It's not a great story unless you get to that final game. So you think maybe the Loyola kids are saying, you know, enough with this sister Jean. Let's just lose this thing. And they're not saying that. They're, no, they're going. They're going after. It. But I'm saying, I'm saying, Michigan is looking at it like this is a game we're supposed to win. Let's take care of business. We're not happy being in the Final Four. Loyola's happy being in the Final Four. One game down, one to go. First, though, I'm going to give you your bonus early, guys. Record-breaking numbers for March Madness. Record-breaking. Thank you so much. Keep spreading the word. Retweets, telling your friends, emailing the links, whatever it is, it's working. And thus, I'm giving you one last for the NCAA tournament. And remember, we'll be back next week talking NBA. We'll be back next week talking the Masters. We'll be back next week talking all kind of baseball, a little early baseball looksy. This should be a, a nice grind for us, grinding out profit throughout the spring. But 
for this weekend, starting now through Saturday. Here's the coupon, NCAA12. NCAA12, the number one, the number zero. And we've got around this round table some hot streaks. Steve Fezzik, 31 and 14 run. 31 winners, cash, cash, and 14 losers, 31 and 14. Brad Powers, he says, ah, let's just look at the whole college basketball season. The whole college basketball season. 62%. That's the kind of thing back on the old Saturday shows. <laughs> They used to lie about Brad's killing it. You listen. There's no doubt why he's killing it. Check out the big brain on Brad. And Ken, Ken's heated up. And again, listen, the best guys are going to have their streaks, good and bad. Just more. Ken's proven over many years, more good than bad. But nice run lately with Ken. So just go to pregame.com and click buy picks. Buy anything you want and use the coupon code in the shopping cart, NCAA12. You get $12 off. First week it was 10. Then last week it was 11. This week, 12. Why? Because you kept spreading the word. Please continue to do that because it means so much to us. RJ, real quick, I, I just want to get in. I had a great regular season, but I'm not going to sugarcoat anything. I've struggled in March. I've lost some games. So wait a minute. You had a great regular season great regular and season. a great recent run. Great so recent run. There's a little sandwich in there. Yeah, but March, slow. March, I, I struggled. I lost a 22-point lead with Cincinnati, a 12-point lead with Xavier, whatever. Well, Things happen. You lose games that sometimes you think you're supposed to win. I'm not making excuses, <laughs> but that's what I'm saying. I've struggled in March, so I don't want to come out and act like, you know, some used car salesman that, hey, buy all my plays now because I've just won them. No. I'm still focused. I'm still doing the work. I figure I'll close strong. I've been doing well over the last couple days, but I did struggle big time in March. You're listening to R.J. Bell's Dream Preview. Now back to R.J. Bell's Dream Preview. All right, so here's what we're going to do. Ken has his radio show. We've got about 12 minutes with Ken left. So what I want to do is go through, get our number one points each. Then we'll do Ken's best bet. Then we'll talk a little bit, as much more as we need amongst us three. And then you guys will give you two best bets. And we'll see how much time we got if there's anything else. Or we'll just push it to next week because obviously we're digging deep here. We've got Kansas, Villanova, Right now, Villanova opened at four, bet, got bet up to five and a half. Ken, we'll start with you. Number one factor in the game. Well, Villanova's got to shoot it better than they did in their last game, just 4-24 from behind the arc. But Villanova is one of those teams, very few teams in the country, that does have as many deep shooters as they do. There's very few teams, in fact, there is no other team in the country, that could go four of 24 from behind the arc and still win by double digits. Reason being, you go 29 to 35 from the free throw line, that's something that's a strength for them as well. Against Kansas, though, if they ever shot like they did against Texas Tech, Kansas has too many offensive weapons to combat that. Texas Tech's a defensive-oriented team. Chris Beard's done a great job, all about Evans and company as far as you know what little offense they do have. But Kansas brings nearly as much offense to the table as Villanova. As a bouquet is a big problem for Villanova because Villanova is not— so Ken, if you don't mind, okay, go ahead. just because we got the, only the one game, okay. 
is as you, you just rattled off multiple points. Asabuke is a big guy down low, right, and so that's trouble for Villanova on defense. That, you look at that as number one. Major, major okay. problem. So coming into the Duke game, the speculation was Duke had the superior play inside. Brad, what did you see in that Duke game? It was remarkable. I mean, Kansas out-rebounded Duke. 47 to 32. One of the more remarkable stat lines I've seen in college basketball all year. No one could have predicted that. So whatsoever. with the eye test, what did you say? I mean, the effort was there for Kansas, but you know, Duke here, here's what it was. The it, effort was there for Kansas. Obviously they had the better number. So you think it was just, they had an effort edge. Well, a lot of times offensive rebounding comes to, down to and effort. I'm, I'm not asking theoretically. Yeah. I'm asking, what did you see happen in this game? Well, I, I saw, Or you can just say, I, I don't know. Specifically Duke, Settled for the outside shot, didn't hit him. Kansas was able to rebound it. What did you see, Ken? I saw Azubuke get behind Bagley all the time, and just like I mean, they had some alley oops, some slam dunks, and then they uh, they hit the big shots with they left Mikhailuk open too many times. Uh, Duke did, and then unfortunately for Duke, is Grayson Allen was literally four of twenty four from uh, from three point range in his last two games, so or somewhere in there, real close to those numbers. So, but specifically with the rebounding. I, I thought Azubuke surprised Duke I, I, on how good he was. And he was in foul trouble a couple of times, too. But I, I think uh, Duke took it for granted that they were going to be able to shut uh, Kansas down inside. I saw Azubuke drenched in sweat like he'd run a marathon, like his life depended on it, playing the game of his life. And I saw two Duke future NBA guys that look like they were just going through pretty much maximum effort without that extra intensity up to 11. Duke finally not getting calls in an Elite Eight game that they've gotten for year after year after year, and it could be because the game was in Omaha and a predominant Kansas crowd still there. So, so Fez, did the crowd support that we thought Kansas had the secret home court, at least the degree there'd be a home court advantage, we expected it to be more than the market did. Did that pan out in your mind? I think very much so, and I do think it impacted Duke, who was not used to that adversity. But I'll also say this. I mean, Duke got out-rebounded by 15. If you told me that before the game, I said oh, they're in big-time trouble. Duke shot 7 out of 29 from three-point range. If you told me that before the game, Duke's in big-time trouble, going to lose the game. With 30 seconds left, the game was played out to Vegas expectations. Duke's up three. We're laying three, despite two major negative factors against them. To me, that shows a little bit, you know, despite Kansas having all these advantages, they were still getting beat by Duke. By three with 30 seconds left, they hit a three-point shot in their last one to tie the game to force overtime. Very upset the way Kansas played when they got the eight-point lead down the stretch. Did not take care of the ball and did not use clock management to where they played like they had an eight-point lead. And I was very surprised the way that Self let them go off Are you surprised? Because here's what Kansas did in the second-round game against Seton Hall with a big lead. Choked it, didn't get the cover because they're lackadaisical and also had the lead against Clemson by 20 points. I had a Kansas ticket. I did too. Hold on a second. You don't choke when you advance in the NCAA tournament, they, those yes. kids could care less about That's your, true. your bat. Yes. So they didn't choke. Anything. I would say lackadaisical effort when Fair they get enough. up. Fair enough. But it, <laughs> what do you got against Kansas? No, seriously, oh. you are irrationally negative. Because he lays Kansas. four and a half on Kansas twice. Is it just because you lost they, a couple and games? And they won by four twice in a row. No, I'm not. No, no, I'm telling you, I sit. For many hours a week and listen to handicappers. Yep. You're irrational about Kansas. Why do you th- do you have any idea why? Or you don't even know you're you're being that way. I mean, I've upgraded Kansas up a point, despite the, some di- several up, disappointments. Up, up, up a point off the Duke game, or off a point for winning four games. Up a point for the four games. 
<laughs> Every game's been played within like a point or so of expectations uh, as far as the Vegas market. Yeah, Kansas has pretty much been on the number every well, single game. Really? When you win outright, is a uh, five? Were they five and a half point underdog? Three and a half point underdog. Four down half, down uh, three with nineteen seconds. No. So. Well, you could always find that in any game. That's like saying Atlanta Falcons should have won the Super Bowl two years ago. They were up twenty eight to or whatever. Three. Yeah. Three. So I mean, you could always tell a freaking story like that. Yeah, but I'm telling the story. The game with only ends after seconds si- left. Yeah, and how many? And so Michigan could have got beat a couple rounds ago. This is what Michael Jordan didn't have to strip and go down and hit that shot, and maybe he pushed off Russell. It's like right? that game. So Plinko, are we, we, we going to say Jordan in. has five titles or six? He's got six. I mean, you guys with the you get it in your head, and nothing's going to convince you. And, uh, Ken, how much have you upgraded? And, and maybe it's not points for you because you're, like you said, you're more of an eye test guy. What are you seeing from Kansas? I see Kansas, a team that's focused right now and is playing good enough ball, and they're loose enough, sometimes too loose, to where they let teams back in the game. We talked about that. I, you know, sometimes I watch these teams and I don't understand clock management, whether it's football, whether it's basketball, makes no sense. But I like this team. They have enough leaders. If they played more like Hickory High. Here, well, here's the thing. In overtime, the only guy that showed up was Malik Newman, had all their points. But Malik Newman has been so much better than anybody else in this tournament as far as players that maybe we look at a team at the beginning. We look at Devontae Graham. We look at Mikhailuk. We look at Azubuke. We, maybe Legero Vic before we look at Malik Newman. And Newman has been that good. He has bailed them out of two games, big time. But isn't that what a good team has? Is sure. that every no, no, very rarely even Michael Jordan didn't play well every game. But I'm saying I think more people would have looked at Kansas as a as a legit number one and a number one to advance because if you look at a ton of people's sharp people's brackets, they didn't have Kansas going. They had Duke going as the two team coming out of that's that. That's why region. they were three and a half point favorites, right? right? So, so that's what I'm saying. I'm saying that with the way that Malik Newman's played in this tournament, as opposed to the way he played consistently during the regular season, sounds like a cost for a big upgrade for Kansas. I, I, I think it is the way that Newman's playing right now. It's a major upgrade as far as as far as I'm concerned, and I think they're getting disrespected in this game to where this line is up to five and a half. And I think if you buy it up to six, I'd be shocked if they don't cover against Villanova. So real quick, cause he mentioned it buying points in college basketball, typically not advisable. I'd say in general, it's one of those don't try this at home kind of things. Just accept the blanket. Don't buy Fez. Do you, is there ever a time you buy in college basketball? You know, I'm, yeah, during the tournament at the end of the year when the power ratings are so close on these teams. Look at how many spreads come down to a half a point. But if, so wait a minute. You're saying I'm going to buy a half a point because I think the spread's so tight. Doesn't that mean you don't bet that game? Most More times than not, <laughs> correct. But I'm pretty much indifferent between buying and not buying this time of year. I think your results would be about the same. So, so I think what you were trying to say is that the variance, that the, the games themselves, because during the regular season, you've got – Big travel issues. You got motivational issues. There's just bigger variance in a February game uh, on a Tuesday night than you're going to get in a Final Four game. Thus, you would expect in variances, and you expect the scores to be tighter. Not so much. The line could be off by two and a half points, and thus it'd be a good bet. But it's still going to be tighter because you don't expect extreme results either way. Thus, points are more valuable. Exactly. And short sample, but if we look at Kansas, three of their four games in this tournament have landed within one point of the number already. He's the one. He's the only R.J. Bell. Thank you. Is... <laughs> 
Fezzik makes a comment and RJ gets the credit. It's unbelievable. No. No. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Brad, do you want to respond about this upgrade? Because you look like you're fuming. No, just one. You look mad. I upgraded him. I mean, I fully but, upgraded him. But, but Ken him. made a very interesting point. Yeah, about- I, oh, no, there's no question. The guy that I didn't handicap for was Malik Newman. I mean, 13 points all in the overtime. He's averaging 22 points per game since the Big 12 tournament started. That's a major upgrade for a team that, you know, just found another weapon that they weren't counting on the, prior to the tournament. And he's clutch. He's not, he knocks down all his free throws. Let's bring up a key factor with Kansas. Of course we're upgrading them, and they're looking good. They got to play. In the so big- you're saying Brad's wrong. I hate to... You know, I mean, just tell the truth. Truth will set you free, bro. I actually think Brad's right. What? what? Because Kansas got to play in the Big 12 tournament in their backyard in Kansas City. Then in the in the big dance, they get to play in Wichita, and they get to play in Omaha. So they've had all these favorable venues. So, of course, they are looking strong. Isn't that all built in the number? I don't think it's fully built into the number. That kind of like a half court. a point. I think like a point. But now I got to ask you guys, and I don't know the answer. The game's in San Antonio, in the heart of Big Twelve country. Does KU get another hidden home court here? I think probably the crowd support. I mean, KU travels better, you know, right up there with any team, really, especially if they have a geographic edge. What I will say is this, and we'll get to this. I'm going to tease it. We'll get Ken's best bet and let him go is I'm a bit, and I was talking to a guy that really knows college basketball. And one of the things that we got into, and this is not a better, this is a guy that's been on the other, or I guess in uh, coaching and administration and such. And he said that the psychic toll, the, however you want to characterize like the strain of the tournament, it's a big factor. And I think it's a bigger factor in the second leg where you've got, a Thursday game and a Saturday game. I think it's bigger Saturday. Now you've got multiple, you know, many days off. Now you play, in this case, Saturday, Monday. But, Fez, we talked about Kansas not having to face, you know, an adverse crowd or even a neutral crowd. But I thought what we concluded was it'd be an advantage even now because they're less beat up. Like that energy edge... That we sus the eye test shows us against Duke. Well, maybe that's that. Hey, this is a team that had that hasn't had the strain, right? The accumulation of the strain. So, wouldn't that maybe be an edge now? Probably would be, especially because every one of their games they seem to have 70 percent of the crowd, and now it's going to be the same. So, the consistency of the crowd is probably going to play but, well. But obviously, for them. it's a longer it's longer travel, right? So, it's not like it was. In, in Omaha, but but I'm saying the fact, it's it's almost like this. If we were going to have a race with us four and we were competitive runners, let's say, and one of us trained just enough and, and got a five-mile run in three days ago, but you three had some other league running league you were in and you just ran a half marathon two days ago, don't I have the edge, yep. right? Isn't every other, isn't every other team... Now, Villanova doesn't feel like they've had a lot of strain either. But but in general, uh, Br- Brad, talking to your mic. Hello? Just, yeah. Testing? Okay, yeah. For some reason, I wasn't hearing you. Um, cool. All right, we'll just keep going. Is Because um, we don't edit, remember? is I, So I feel like Kansas has an edge there, but maybe Villanova has the same edge and it equals out. But I don't. they've had the same edge because they got to play in Pittsburgh and, and in Boston. And now this is the first time, like Duke, 
that they're going into a somewhat so you're saying, hostile You're saying environment. Both, both of them, the first four games, Villanova-Kansas had advantages. Yep. Now Kansas keeps the advantage because it's the heart of Big 12. Yes. All right. So, Ken, we're going to get – this is it. If you're going to take off the rubber band for one game, side total, prop, whatever, on, and we're going to save Blossom for the other two. So we'll just go into it dry. Give it to us. I'm going to give you the over in this game. And I know Kansas and Villanova. And the reason I know a lot of people look at it as the second game of the Final Four and teams are going to be tight. Look, you're not going against a zone. So that's huge right there. Villanova also comes off a 4 of 24 from behind the arc. Not going to happen again. Too many good shooters on this team. In fact, the best shooting team from three-point range and deep three-point range. I think both teams are going to go for it. Recruiting-wise, win or lose for either team, they want to show the style of ball they play, and they both can knock down the three with regularity. The, the, the one advantage is Azubuke down low for Kansas because he's the one true guy that plays in the pivot. Spellman, Cosby, Roundtree, these guys are going to step outside and knock it down. Everybody for Jay Wright's team can knock it down. I think Villanova will shoot lights out. I think Kansas will shoot lights out. I think this game gets into the 160s. I think we we got a game in the 80s, and it could go either way. wouldn't shock me if this game goes overtime, but I like the over in the game. Any thoughts, guys? Yeah, I would definitely lean with that. Two similar style teams. Both like to go up-tempo, and if both teams are hitting the three like their season averages says, I could definitely see both teams getting in the 80s. Okay, well, Ken, we're going to let you run. Thank you. Matty Holt actually was scheduled. He had a literally a family emergency. We appreciate it, Ken, and check him out. And uh, on Twitter, it's at SportsXRadio. So, Brad, so you honestly, as you think about it, you feel like you're looking at Kansas with, with, op- with open eyes. You, you don't see any, you don't see any like, hey, you've got, for whatever reason. Clear eyes, full hearts. Let's go play some football. Let's go. You got nothing against this Jayhawk team. No, not particularly. But not particularly. <laughs> oh, now no, we're getting I'm, that thinking, into I'm probably it. a half point short as far as the upgrade. Should have been a wide. Well, I want to understand the. I want to understand the emotion. I want to understand the psychology of it. Uh, I, there's no question. I'm still a little bit bitter about the Clemson game when you're up 20, and uh, I mean you blow my biggest bet of the entire NCAA tournament. I've, I'm a little. Bitter about that still shouldn't be as, but, I mean, but aren't you thinking, Hey, if I don't look at them objectively, it increases my chance to lose the next game. Very much so. See, he still has something to learn. He's, yeah. he's a, he's a young buck, but he's still got something to learn. I don't mind him holding back something against a team that took money out of his wallet. Welcome to Mirage, Mr. Papa Giorgio. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Fez, what do you think? What? Let me post something. Cause I'm, I, <sighs> There seems to be so much skepticism about this Kansas team. And I just don't, maybe in a way I am so contrarian that the skepticism just doesn't make any sense because I felt like one of the most impressive wins of the year was Kansas beating West Virginia in the big 12 conference final. I mean, wouldn't we agree? Absolutely. Yeah. Without Azubuki, their big man, they still got it done. And with nothing clear to play for based upon self's history. And this is, I would make the case. And again, I do follow certain teams a little bit. One of the thinner Kansas teams rotation wise. Yeah. Especially without Azubuki, really only a seven man rotation at that point. So when you play a, was it a third straight game? Cause they, yep. they played Okie state, Kansas state three games in three days 
after a Herculean effort to come back and win the conference regular season, which was 13th straight time, to be so thin and win that game against a West Virginia team that showed itself, you know, showed pretty well in the tournament? I mean, not great, but would we agree that the the Big 12 in general gets an upgrade from what we thought two weeks ago? No question. Kansas State making the Elite Eight, Texas Tech the Elite Eight, Kansas in the Final Four, upgrade for that conference. And that's why I'm looking believe it or not, at Villanova in this game because <laughs> Villanova got to play against these upgraded Big 12 teams, West Virginia and Texas Tech. And I really feel strongly that both of those teams are within one point as good as Kansas. And Villanova beat them both by double digits. Now, hold on a second. So we now are reevaluating the Big 12 and giving them a clear thumbs up. Yep. Kansas played... Counting the conference tournament, 22 games. I mean, how many games they play? 21, I think. 21. 21 in conference or 18 in conference? Uh, 21 counting uh, the tournament. Okay. So they play 21 games against this now reevaluated competition, and Villanova's played two. So the upgrade, though, benefits Villanova. Well, their games were so impressive in rounds three and four of the tournament. <laughs> but but just winning the the both the regular season and the conference in the Big 12 that's now been upgraded is less important than those two games. I think they're both important. <laughs> but less. Maybe they're equally important. <laughs> so you just want to kind of retract your whole statement. Let's upgrade both teams. <laughs> Let's retract half my statement. Fair enough. I think Dave Esler has, he actually has two points on this game. And I think they're both very uh, thought provoking. Let's start with point number one. My biggest factor in the, in the Kansas Villanova game is I think Kansas may be a little more versatile uh, in terms of being able to play different styles. You know, they beat the sluggish slow down, bang them up Clemson team. And then obviously they beat the athletic team that wants to run when they beat Duke. I think that that gives Kansas a little bit of an advantage in that they can play any number of styles. And I'm not sure that Villanova is quite as versatile. Does anyone disagree that Kansas is versatile? Kansas is definitely versatile. And they surprised you with their inside play. Against Duke, that was shocking to me that they out-rebounded Duke. Okay. Now, Villanova, are they versatile? I would have been concerned prior to what Fez was kind of getting at here when he was last talking until the, their last two games. Because what they, what Villanova sees in the Big East is a lot of more offensively-minded teams, not a lot of defensive-oriented. But in Villanova's last two games against two Big 12 teams, they saw a very unique style, press Virginia, and then probably the worst matchup. But, but we, we talked about yeah. on Straight Out of Vegas, we talked about, and that is Friday night's And we were renewed, guys, so this is year-round, not just football. The only, the first and only, Fez is the first and only person to win the Super Contest twice. Straight out of Vegas, first and only Las Vegas odds and predictions radio show on one of the three major national networks, Fox, ESPN, CBS. None other ever, none other today, 11 o'clock Pacific, Friday night's. 10 to midnight Pacific. So it's an extra hour Saturday nights. And we'll obviously be talking all the updated latest breaking odds moves and such on the final four this weekend. And if you don't get a chance to hear live, you uh, obviously it's late. We like the college kids pouring out of the bars. That's our, 
core audience for straight out of Vegas, you can listen to the podcast and that's at RJ in Vegas on Twitter. And uh, I tweet those out Saturday and Sunday mornings. You guys were making the point and Brad, I think you were especially is the guard play of Villanova was really well suited against the press of West Virginia. So we can't look back now and say, Oh, that was a extremely difficult. If anything, it was a great matchup for Villanova. So how much not doesn't mean they don't get credit for the win, but they certainly don't get level of difficulty points. I agree with that, but, but I but think we, it was we were more... just talking about, Oh, they've got yeah. this unique different style. But yeah. It's a style. They were well suited to play. Fair against. enough. Fair enough. All right. So I've eliminated that point. What's your second one? Well, I was worried that can Villanova win a game because Villanova's number one offense in the country. They like to go up and run it down. Can Villanova win a game where their shots aren't falling? They're the number one three-point shooting team in the country. They're historic. Seven three-pointers away from setting the NCAA record for most threes. I was worried, hey, if they're not going down in a game, what what's going to happen? Can Villanova win a game in the 60s, a game played at a slow pace against a good defense? Those answers were resounding yes in the lead eight against Texas Tech when Villanova not only had their worst shooting performance of the season, the last three seasons, Villanova had their worst shooting percentage and still won a game by double digits. So how did they win? Well, they hit the boards. Just like Kansas out-rebounded Duke, Villanova had their best offensive rebounding game of the entire season, out-rebounded Texas Tech 51-33. to I think we've got more of a concern in the title game for Villanova in terms of like this muck it up, slow it down type of game. Remember, they lost to St. John's earlier this year at home, but Kansas, Ken Thompson just gave his best bet for the game to go over. You're not going to need Villanova to win a low scoring game here. I do think it's going to be a shootout. So you like the over too? I think Ken made a great case for it. One fi- what is that, like a lawyer's answer? Do you like the over 155 and a half? You know, people on Twitter go, you're hard on those. They make me be hard on them. I asked you a question. Do you like the over? I can't bet the over because the cavernous stadium could wreak havoc on the three-point shooting, and Villanova did not shoot well at all from threes their very last game. So Ken's case was absent what you think is a very important handicapping factor. Yes, but I agreed with the rest of his logic. And that's what makes gambling so fun is there can be a lot of good points, but you need all the good points. All right. And again, who knows if you're right? Because I, again, we talked about Loyola maybe being susceptible to that. If we want to talk about the AAU and all that, it seems like we've got some players here. Here's uh, that, that have gone that uh, more pedigreed path. Here's Mr. Dave Asher, by the way, and he, he, a lot of listeners have engaged with Dave and you go on the forums and read them. You get his picks. I mean, this guy is uh, a, Many, many year winner. He's been with pregame like eight years. A stunning results documented. And if you want to follow him on Twitter, it's at Dave Esther. D-A-V-E. Under, oh, I'm sorry, check that. It's Dave underscore Esler. Dave underscore E-S-S-L-E-R. Here he is. The point number two in the Villanova Canvas game, which is which is the exact opposite of, of what I said about Kansas being versatile is I wonder if Villanova is, and I wouldn't take that to mean Villanova is not versatile, but when we're looking at these games, we're looking at right now. Uh, And right now, they haven't beaten a team in this tournament that can score yet. They beat Alabama, West Virginia, who can't play half-court offense, and Texas Tech, who simply can't score. And we know that's not the case with Kansas. So I wonder how Villanova is going to react when they have to turn it up and, and probably have to outscore Kansas. 
during the conference season, what percentage of those in-conference games would you say Villanova played an opponent who could score in the way you're saying the or the NCAA tournament opponents have not been able to? Well, in conference play, I don't know that there's anybody that compares to them that can score except for maybe Creighton, uh, who interestingly enough they lost to. But teams that have beaten Villanova, uh, St. John's and Providence are both bigger. Kansas is bigger. And they lost to Butler, and Butler just didn't miss. Uh, And that game was obviously in Butler. So I think Kansas has all the ingredients of every team that has beaten Villanova. And conversely, I'm not sure Villanova has all the ingredients of the teams that have historically beaten Kansas. I got to be honest, my my gut feeling agrees with Dave. And I've been handicapping (laughs) for a long, long time. I guess I started when I was 14, so over 30 years. And even if I don't handicap college basketball daily, I can smell scenarios. You just, that pattern recognition, Fez, I'm sure you know what I'm talking about, is this feels like a sexy team, a basketball sexy Villanova team that really hasn't played that tough competition. And I think I can hear, I can almost hear the announcement after I can hear the announcers going, you know, we didn't really properly account for that. You know, all the wars that Kansas was in and, and Villanova just wasn't, you know, pressed like not pressed like press Virginia, but they, 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 they didn't have that uh, strain. And when, when the chips were down, they just weren't there. I hear that now, Brad, you were starting to look on your computer. So you got some number that contradicts me. Well, I was just looking at, at what team offensively is as good as Kansas, and it's Xavier, a team that's top 10 in the country in offense. How did Villanova do in those two games? Dominated Xavier by 20-plus points per game, and number one seed. Okay, but here's the question. We know Xavier's defense was 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 horrible. So the matchup I'm interested in, did Xavier score against Villanova, and did Villanova just outscore him? Or was Villanova able to shut them down? That The matchup is the Xavier offense against the Villanova defense. It's pertinent because we know the Kansas defense is not Xavier. And they held Villanova held Xavier at about 15 points per game less than their season averages. Well, you're going to do that for sure again. But how many points did they score? Brad, give me the first game. First game, Villanova at home against Xavier, favored by nine at home. And the total was 165 and a half. Okay, so we'll just say 165. We subtract nine. We got 156. So now we got 78 and 78. And you add in nine, you've got 87. So the score was projected to be 87, 78. All right, so eight, 78 points for Xavier. How many points did they score? 65. Okay, so they were down 13 in that game. Okay, and the next one? Uh, Villanova at Xavier. Uh, line was right around, like Fez said, pick them. Mm-hmm. And your total was 164 and a half. Okay, so 164 and a half. So what we expected there was 82 or so each. How much did Xavier score? 79. Okay. So still, though, down 16 points in two games. So so you disagree. So you think that uh, you got Villanova ranked now. Oh, go ahead. Yeah. Oh, there's no question. Villanova is by far the best team in the country. I will agree with Dave that... Now, who was the second best team? Second best team was coming in the tournament, Virginia. No, no. But who was the second best team as of uh, a week ago? Uh, Duke. 
Yeah. That Kansas just beat. Yes. All right. And you had Villanova one and a half points better. Which makes sense because that line was three and a half. And yeah, this it, makes sense. it makes sense if Kansas doesn't get upgraded. Yeah, fair enough. <laughs> you know, Villanova <laughs> did have some injuries in February. Their starting guard, Phil Booth, was out from the end of January to for about three weeks. And that's when they lost that St. John's game. And that's when they lost that Providence game. They had another starter out. So this is back to like you wear your hat and the car starts. No, no, how, not at how all. How important is this guy? He's a significant. He's a good. He's a very, so if you if you were drafting this team uh, in a pickup game, where does he go? I think third, third or fourth. Third. They so had the, two the, guys so, out. They had two starters out. Not just one. Two starters out in that stretch where Villanova was three and three. Where where is the Villanova? Um, Ken Palm has a strength of schedule, right? Yep. Uh, you got that. Eighteenth in the country. All right, and where's Kansas? Number two. Okay. Still, 18th surprises me to the positive. Playing Xavier twice, a number one seed, playing Gonzaga in non-conference, and also Ken Palm's factoring in the teams Villanova just played in the tournament, teams like West Virginia and Texas Tech out of the Big 12. Now, don't we worry about the, the this cavernous shooting venue? And, and again, we can debate how important that is, but wouldn't that affect the outside shooting Villanova more than Kansas? The problem is Kansas... Also heavily relies on outside shooting. They're well, also one of the. They best. don't have to though, right? Not meaning, as much. If, meaning, let's say this: if 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 both if if I told you both teams are shooting twenty five percent from three, who are you betting? Kansas. Right. So the negative would hurt both teams, but it hurt Villanova more. Yep. All right. Let's go, Fez. Well, you know, I've been kind of driving this because I do feel like like no one's. And again, if Villanova's 18th, maybe I'm just not, maybe I'm wrong, whereas it feels like they're in a, who's the, th- who's the third best team in their conference? It was Xavier. Who, Probably Butler. Butler. Butler was the third best. And who's the fourth? Creighton. Creighton. Did Creighton. And, and both made the tournament, but both sitting right around, what, an eight seed? All right, so maybe that's better than I was thinking. So, all right. So, Fez, give us, let's just go around the horn uh, one or two more major points, and then we'll do, get the best bets. I really think Villanova was in cruise control the entire final two months of the year. They knew they were going to be a number one seed, and because of that, unlike Kansas that had to turn it on and subsequently looked very very strong, Villanova really didn't have to ratchet it up to that full effort level, and we're just seeing it now in the big dance. Boy, there's two ways to look at that, though, right? One way is, oh, they've got a ceiling a higher ceiling. Another way is when they need that last little bit, do they have it? They're not battle tested. I'm a big believer in the John Chaney old school temple style. I want to be in as many wars as possible because usually there's going to be a war in these final, you know, at least there's a heck of a chance there's a war. That's a great point. And Kansas just was in probably the biggest war of any teams faced all in the entire tournament, the Duke game. Uh, And Villanova hasn't, you know, maybe West Virginia, they were down six in the middle of the second half, and then they turn on the gas there. Here's where the light switch has come on for Villanova, going back to Fez's point, is on the defensive side of the ball. Sitting here at the start of February, I was worried about Villanova's defense. I said, hey, Villanova's got a great program and everything, and they're sitting up here in the top five of the polls, but unlike the past five years' additions where they had a top 20 defense, this Villanova defense just isn't as good. But in the last nine games, they've held seven opponents to under 70 points. And now you look at the defensive efficiency ratings, Villanova number 13 in the country. That's been the biggest improvement we've seen from Villanova down the stretch. You want to do one more round fast or you want to get the best bets? I think best bets. 
Brad, I'll give you one more round. <laughs> well, I, we kind of talked about it. And, you know, Villanova, you know, had that game where they had by far their worst. And I like playing, you know, on teams off of outliers, especially if they're very poor. And there was no bigger outlier that I've seen than Villanova having their worst shooting percentage, not this season, not the last two, the last three seasons against Texas Tech. And if you can have your worst shooting percentage, and we're talking just field goal percentage, 33%, and still win over what I perceive to be a team almost as good as Kansas and still win by double digits, to me, that's some value. All right, a couple last things to wrap up before the best bets. Perfect bracket odds. And this is fascinating because we always debate it before the tournament. There's 9.2, if I remember, quintillion, 18 (laughs) zeros, 18 zeros. Um, Possible brackets. But the question is, what are, you know, obviously 16s, but it's funny. Everyone said, well, you can't count the ones versus the six. Well, maybe. <laughs> obviously, it's better than 50%, but it's uh, no longer or was never a lock. But 60 games in, three to go. Last year at this time, if you had just taken the money line in all 60 games and let it ride, let it ride, which obviously isn't practical because of the amounts. At this point, 60 games in, it was $1.46 trillion to one. So one and a half trillion to one. This year, it's 1.1 quadrillion. So this is actually after trillion, quadrillion, quadrillion. Did you know that, Faz? After trillion was quadrillion? I was unfamiliar. Yeah. So that is 770 times less likely than 1.46 trillion. Wow. So if you take 1.46 trillion times 770, you get 1.1 quadrillion. So the idea that always are more upsets because you can debate, you know, the only real history breaker of the whole tournament other than the 16 over the one was Loyola is the fifth team with double digit C to make the final four ever. That goes back to 79 when seedings began. Yeah, 15 since 79, that's impressive. But otherwise, no team really did anything that was all that, uh, you know, other than 16 over one. But still, up to this point last year, 770 times less likely what's happened in aggregate in this tournament. One last thing, put this in your pocket for next year. I mean, this this is a super important one is... I let you know. I got to let Brad's got his pen out, ready to write. I I feel good about that. Thank you. It <laughs> Fez does too, but he's doing it perfunctorily. It's it's big drama. It's not genuine. <laughs> is all right. So this is what I tweeted. Remember for your brackets next year, the final four has now included either one or two number one seeds. Twenty seven of the last thirty four years. So think seven out of thirty four. It's been otherwise either zero, three, or four. But think about how many people, especially squares, that have three number ones. And they're, you know, usually they won't go four. They'll pick the one that doesn't make it. Well, history tells you it's one or it's two. And obviously this year was another example of that. Blue Horseshoe loves Anaconda Steel. Okay. We talked about Loyola in the region so fast, I was thinking about this and someone on Twitter said, they said, RJ, you guys preach, preach, you know, that one guy, that nerdy guy, 
I think is how he referenced you. He goes, you guys just preach and preach. I am Elma J. Foot, millionaire. I own a mansion and a yacht. About mechanical parlays. And, oh, 70 to 1 is what you could have gotten. And if you had done a mechanical parlay, so if you bet the future to Loyola to win the region, 70 to 1, I heard some people at 75. And as we talked about, around 25 to 1 with the mechanical parlay. Does this cause you to reevaluate at all? Not at all, because they didn't have to play Virginia. They didn't have to play um, Kentucky, Arizona. I mean, I mean, if they would have so had you to fell play those my, teams. So you fell into my trap. I actually did fall into your trap, because in this case, 70 to 1 was a really good bet. Well, obviously. But what the point I'm making is, is it even comprehend? Uh, it, sometimes we handicap side and total in the same game by saying, if this team wins, what happens? Right. And sometimes we'll say, well, they can only win a high scoring game. And thus there's a correlation. Right. What is the scenario that an 11 C gets to the final four? Is it that they beat the, you know, the three, the two, then the, you know, however that would go? Or is it, hey, there's a couple of upsets in the past. Now I get they could do it the other way, but that's what this seems like the one torn. Because during the Super Bowl, you could say, well, you know, the Patriots got beat, you know, the Steelers when they made the Super I I still remember this clearly. When they made that Super Bowl against the Packers, they would have. That wasn't a great team, the Steelers. Had they lost the Super Bowl, but what happened was the Jets. If I'm remembering, the Jets beat the Patriots, and then the Jets came to Pittsburgh and and for the AFC Championship game. And if Pittsburgh went to New England, it would have been a, a you know a very difficult game. So to some degree, you can have that in the NFL. But it seems like more than any other, or you Golden State could get beat in the second round. Thus, you know your Portland ticket, your Blazers ticket has a better chance. But boy, it feels like in the NCAA tournament that where some brackets do get busted, that the way one of these eleven seeds gets to the Final Four is by having three coin flip games, and you know as opposed to a bunch of big underdog wins, and thus. The mechanical parlay, like when it wins, it's not going to pay as much. It might pay as more a majority of the time, but it won't pay more a majority of the time that it wins. I'm going to disagree. I think this Loyola situation was a unique one. And frankly, Loyola should never have been 71. So it shows basic strategy says play the mechanical parlay, but it's not always correct. So you're saying that 70 to one was just some big mispricing. It wasn't mispricing. I can maybe. But, but, but what were the the other eleven seeds? Were what? They were right around seventy to one. Also, so, so how could you're just saying Loyola was just in general underrated? And that was shown by the point spread in the opening round, where they're an eleven seed, and it's right around a, close to a pick'em game. So you're saying they just put that seventy mechanically, like on the eleven seeds? Yes. But what do you think of this, Brian? Well, what? as a guy that well, I was going to say, as a guy that probably plays a lot more futures than Fez. I'm actually happy that it turned out this this way where there was some value because Fez has been preaching at me for two years straight that a lot of my future bets have not been good and the mechanical parlay is the way to go. Well, let me put it this way. Next year, anyone who wants 70 to 1 on all the 11 seeds, you can have them all against me. We can have a dinner bet over that. So, so But what you just said was that Loyola, which was, you think, underseeded, they should have been better than 11. So you think none of the 11s are going to be underseeded next year? Not nearly to the extent of Loyola was this year. Now, listen, let's give you credit. You did have 
Loyola as your, um, I guess, Cinderella, but you had him win two games. Yes. Right. So you, I mean, if you would have really thought they were that underseated, why not play the 70 to one? They had, did, do you have a 70 to one taking your pocket? They, I don't know about. No, they had, although I did get a text from a, a pro better that was making fun of me for not having that ticket. Okay. But <laughs> what I'm saying is why, if you thought that 71 was so juicy, why didn't you play it? Didn't, didn't do the math was lazy. Didn't go through every one of them. All right. But that was your one Cinderella because I'm, I'm, I know, but I'm so hell bent on this do the mechanical parlays that I didn't actually do the work on each and every team because 99 out of 100 times, there's no value there. This was the one out of 100 where there was. He felt like a brain surgeon. Maybe not. (laughs) All right. So what do we got here? Oh, the million dollar ticket. Derek Stevens, who owns the D, which is a fun casino downtown. This guy's got some real ambitions with his casino and he's a, a Michigan fan. He's from the Detroit area. I think the D stands for Detroit or, or something like that. And he bet, uh, he had 40 to one. I wonder, I was wondering if it was your ticket Fez, <laughs> and it's to win a million dollars. And I've got that ticket up on my Twitter at RJ in Vegas. But, uh, wow, that's a fun one. That's a fun one. Now we've been preaching about how Michigan is the team Everyone has been betting on the futures, and thus that was one of two teams entering the tournament that would have been a net loser for CG Technology, Arizona being the other one. Actually, there's been so much betting on other teams except Michigan, is now Michigan's become a winner. So right now, for the books, the dastardly (laughs) bookies. So now, literally... It doesn't matter who, it, it just matters. It's like the old Brad Pitt takes a girl home. She's either hot or really hot or really effing hot. And the books either win some, win a lot, or win a ton. In Kansas, they'd actually win a ton, and Michigan would be the worst result, but they still win. Boy, it, it, it's, uh, you know, I think we got to make it a point to make l- lives hard for bookies because they've got it, they've got it so easy. You know, that that if, if we don't make it harder on him, I, I just don't think justice is being served. Well, I think some justice will be possibly served at the Golden Nugget where that million-dollar ticket might be cashed. That might be one book that doesn't show a profit. Yeah, but remember, they that, that went up to the president, right? So one yeah. casino owner or the owner. One casino yeah. owner wants to bet the other casino owner. And let, no one, Tony Miller's not getting blamed. And let's face it, the great publicity they're getting from that, and they take big action from Derek Stevens. Well, hold on, hold on, though. A million bucks. They 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 might be make, getting uh, fourteen thousand dollars of publicity. <laughs> <laughs> I, I can promise you that they're not. They wouldn't trade it. All right, guys, we got a quick commercial break, and then we're going into best bets. Oh, oh old friends at True Car. These guys have been with us for a while now. I really like this service. You know. You can have your useful car tips, and there's a lot you might not be aware of. A coffee filter and a little bit of olive oil can clean your interior. I certainly need that. Removing excess weight from your car will improve gas mileage. See, the fact that the, the love of your life left, 
All that driving you've been doing alone, Brad, you've gotten better gas mileage. So Absolutely. Just, think, just when you look over and the seat's empty, you can just think I'm saving money. I like that. And then, you know, in Vegas, what you can do with money. You can bet it. Oh, <laughs> that reminds me of the great line from Stu Unger, one of the famed guys. So he won. The, it was like the first No Limit Hold'em tournament he ever played. He won the World Series in 80, I think it was. And then he won it again, I think, in 81. Or it might have been 81, 82. And you know, there was a little bit of TV. I think it, I can't remember what station it was. And then he's got the pile of money. They go, what are you going to do with this money? He looks and goes, bat it. <laughs> That's the way a real gambler thinks, right? A real gambler is thinking that, you know, it's like a, a cocaine addict. They see a big kilo of Coke. They're not thinking I can chop this up, you know, step on it and sell it. They're thinking, <laughs> oh no, you know, I can snort all this, Brad. You're thinking all that money you're, you're, you're saving, but let's be candid. Now here's what you got to balance is you're going to the strip clubs, you know? So uh, do you think the gas mileage of having the empty seat makes up for the strip clubs, but you'd be going to the strip clubs anyway. Yeah. It doesn't it's a matter. very, co- it's a very complex calculation <laughs> <laughs> and you can place your key fob to your chin to increase its range. Weird, right? Well, here's another tip you also might not know about. TrueCar also helps people get used cars. That's right. TrueCar isn't just for buying new cars. With their certified dealer network and nationwide inventory of nearly 1 million used cars, you you will enjoy real pricing on actual inventory and a simpler buying experience, whether you buy new or used. With True car users can see what others paid so they know if they're getting a good deal before buying. They're also more likely to enjoy a faster buying experience by connecting with True Car certified dealers. When you're ready to buy a new or used car, check out True Car and enjoy a more confident car buying experience. Some features not available in all states. Lastly, Bat DSI. This is your last chance during the tournament to take advantage of this very special offer. Podcast One put it together, and BetDSI is a advertiser with Podcast One, and they put this special together. Now, they've got over 20 years in business. They're top-rated at many review sites, and they've got an easy-to-use and fast-playing interface. You can bet as you go. You can bet props in-game, all the Fun stuff. And especially with the final four, there's going to be a lot of props and all that. Customer service 24 7, 365, a reputation for fast payment of winnings. Here's the special get $25 NCA tournament bet just for registering. And what you got to do is use promo code Bell Madness, B E L L Madness, M A D N E S S, Bell Madness. You get your 25 bucks. That's a free roll. All right. So, Let's be honest. Get your 25 free roll it. You get something going. You you keep letting it roll. Now, if you like the experience, because obviously the more out you have, the better chance you have to win. That's just an objective fact. You will get a 200% member bonus first deposit using promo code Bell Madness. Don't miss out with your last NCAA tournament chance. Use promo code Bell Madness and start winning and Especially, as we said, if you have a chance to free roll, well, that means you can't lose. Best bad time. Don't know about the future. That's anybody's guess. Ain't no good reason for getting all depressed. Buy up your pad and pencil.
Okay, Brad, here's the question. You got one bet to make on Saturday. What do you do? I'm going with Michigan. Minus the the five and a half, you can shop around and, and find plenty of fives out there. But again, we talked about the start of the podcast. Lyle of Chicago, kudos for exceeding far anyone's expectations, even Sister Jean. They've gotten two games beyond what she had in her bracket, but a very advantageous road so far. Playing, not playing a number one or a number two seed, but also playing four teams without some of their best players. Very advantageous. And on top of that, Lyola Chicago has played very inexperienced teams so far. Not going to be the case against Michigan, one of the most experienced top 20 teams in the country with four upperclassmen starters. And Lyola Chicago, who's been shooting so well, a little bit concerned in that big arena, specifically against a top five defense in Michigan. And that's where that offensive rebounding, Lyola, the worst team out of all the NCAA tournament teams, that would be a factor. Give me the Wolverines minus five. Okay. He is disdain for sister Jean is seeping through. Hey, I'm not judging. I'm not judging. Faz, best bet. Well, I'm a big fan of sister Jean. So these lines are so tight here, RJ, that Peace I really love peace and love. I really analyze this quite a bit. I have a two team parlay that I believe is not just correlated, but significantly correlated. Although I don't think that Loyola plus five and a half should qualify as a straight bet. Brad brings up excellent points to like Michigan. I think to parlay Loyola plus five and a half to the under 129 and a half makes a lot of sense. Think about this. If it's a very high scoring game, if they score 150 points, I don't like Loyola's chances at all. If the final score is around 120 combined points, I like it a lot better. Further, if you told me that Loyola covers the plus five and a half, I would say it's likely Loyola either wins or loses a very close game. If it's a very close game, I'm minimizing my foul fest in the final couple of minutes. That's depressing the scoring. So I have not one, but two correlations going for me. Two team parlay Loyola plus five and a half to the under one twenty nine and a half. Hmm. So obviously a disagreement on if you were forced to bet the side, I'm guessing if you were forced to bet the side only, you would still like Loyola, right? Yes, but it's just a lean. Yeah. So you guys disagree on that. The question I have for you, Brad, is do you agree that if Loyola wins that you see some correlation to the under? No question. Uh, definitely. A lower scoring game played at their pace, which has been the case here the last 10 games. The under is 9-1. Average total score in those 10 games, 123 points per game. If it's played at a much slower pace, I worry about Michigan being able to cover. And if you're going to play Brad's side, if you like Michigan, I would play part of your bet parlayed to the over because if Michigan covers minus five and a half, now you got that excellent chance. Remember, Michigan can't shoot free throws. Loyola knows that. Michigan is up by seven to 14 points in the final two minutes. You may well get 18 points in those last two minutes. All right, I got it. That, this is pretty sharp, Fez. I got to give you a little positive Pashy. He had to know everything, this guy. He'd find out the kind of inside stuff nobody else knew, and that's what he put his money on. Hmm, I, like I like the correlation. All right, listen. Next week, guys, whole different show. What I would say is you might be skeptical, saying, oh, I don't bet the NBA all that much, or I don't bet baseball. We're going to be previewing throughout the spring college football every week. We're going to be previewing taking conferences one at a time as the spring games happen. Brad sits at home, saving gas, watching spring games. (laughs) You benefit from it, though. You benefit from it. Fez? And a quick note, we've had Dave Essler's expertise in college basketball, but Dave is a exceptional baseball handicap. He'll be contributing on the baseball side. We'll be talking masters. 
you might like it. I, you might not. I think you will, but it does. I, I think it's very much, very much worth a listen next week to get a feel what we're going to be doing in the spring. And it will be released regularly scheduled Wednesday in the AM. I can't lie, Brad. I root for you most of the time. I'm going to be rooting for sister Jean in this case. So we'll leave you this week with this. I gotta tell you, it's just occurred to me what the student body has been chanting for the last two or three minutes. It's the name Rudy. Thanks for listening to RJ Bell's Dream Preview. Catch the Wise Guy Roundtable each week. College basketball released on Wednesday. Don't bet on it on Friday. Don't miss any winners. Subscribe on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen. Visit podcastone.com and download the Podcast One app.